Hi, this is Jay Bear of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. My name is Anna Harak, and normally I would be joined by the ever-amazing Randy Frisch, but he is actually not with us today. Instead, it is going to be just you, me, and our amazing guest, Ahava Liebtag. Ahava is the president and owner of Aha Media Group, which is a content strategy and content marketing consultancy. She is also author of The Digital Crown, Winning at Content on the Web, and you've probably seen her at just about every single content marketing or content strategy conference you have ever attended because she is an amazing and sought after speaker. Seriously, if you have a chance to go see her speak in person, please do. She's amazing and entertaining and wonderful. Now, her and I got to chat a lot on this episode about some of the nitty gritty of content, which Randy and I sometimes don't get into, um, and we haven't gotten into with a lot of our other guests, but Ahava, of course, having a writing background, um, we kind of got to get into a little bit. So fellow word nerds, you are in for a treat. Now, she has some amazing advice when it comes to content clarity and writing incredibly effective content. So I'm just going to bring her in and let her tell you all about it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and chat with Ahava. Hey, Ahava. It is so fantastic to have you here. I get to talk to you all the time because I'm lucky like that. But I'm really happy that you finally are able to come here and talk to all of our listeners because you are one of the first, one of the best writers I've ever met. Uh, You are one of the best speakers I've ever seen. And I am so excited for you to drop so much gold on our audiences. It's going to be amazing. I'm so happy you're here. Wow. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Can you come like live with me and whisper in my (laughs) ear every day? Yes. I'll just, every time you get on a call, I'll just um, pop in with that intro and then just leave. Love it. (laughs) So I know you really, really well, but for those who have only ever seen you speak at like Content Marketing World or even Confab, can you give everybody just a little bit of info about your background? You know, sort of uh, AHA Media Group, obviously. Just tell everybody a little about yourself. So I want to say first that I was a voracious reader as a kid, and I think that books were my best friends, and I loved reading, and I loved language, and that really, I think, has taken me onto this lifelong journey of wanting to be a great writer and wanting to communicate with audiences. I went to college and studied English communications, and then I went and got a graduate degree in communications, but what I really studied was critical theory, which is this interdisciplinary approach to how ideology shapes our ideas about the world. And I did my thesis on Save the Last Dance and Dirty Dancing, and I looked at how female identity politics had changed over the course of the time that Dirty Dancing came out versus the time that Save the Last Dance came out, because it's basically the same story, but the characters, their identities change and, and who they are changes, and it really takes a really good look at female sexuality and the way that Americans change their minds about that over time. 
So then I worked for the government for a while and then I didn't do so well in the federal government. Anybody who knows my personality at all knows that that's just not the right cultural fit. So I got a really great opportunity to do a freelance writing gig for a friend of mine at a hospital and I started doing that and I just loved it and decided to leave the federal government, which everybody thought I was crazy in Washington, D.C., where I live in one of the suburbs. Like no one leaves a federal job. It's like, you know, your ticket to like fabulous <laughs> retirement, great health insurance. And I was just like, nah, I'm going to go do something crazy and risky. And it's totally paid off. AHA Media Group has 40 people, content strategists, writers, editors, account managers. And I love what I do. I love that I'm a woman-owned business and that I employ women who want a work-life balance. Everybody works from home. It's a distributed workforce. We do great work for our clients. And I'm fiercely, fiercely proud of it. And I'm a mom to three, as you know, wacky and wild kids. I do love following all of their adventures on Instagram. And um, yeah, they're amazing. I love I love all the updates about your kids and your family. I would absolutely agree that that paid off. Also, it takes a very, very specific person, I think, to work in government. And I know I wouldn't be able to cut it. And I think especially with your creativity and you are very... And I, I mean this in, in a, the most amazing way. You're very opinionated. Like you will stand up and put your stake in the ground. And I feel like that might not drive so well with government sometimes. So I think you made the right decision. You have a wonderful, a wonderful practice now, AHA Media. So one of the things that I also love about you and that we have in common is that we both live in sort of two separate content worlds. One world would be the content strategy world. And then the other would be content marketing. Now... For those who um, may sort of blanket call content marketing content strategy or refer to their content marketing as content strategy, how do you help people understand the difference between those two worlds? Sure. So I think content strategy is what helps you get at better content marketing. So to me, the content strategy, which is a funny, I always thought that that phrase wasn't really right, but the content strategy helps you get at the tactic of content marketing. So to me, content marketing is developing a relationship with your audience and content strategy helps give you the tactics to get there. So there's a lot of division between the two and I think it's sort of really silly. I mean, we're all trying to do the great thing, which is provide the best customer experience that we can. I think anytime you attach the word marketing to something and anytime you attach the word strategy to something, people see one as more rigorous than the other, which I think is like so silly. And I think marketing is going to morph into customer experience in the next 10 years. I don't think we're necessarily going to call it marketing. We're probably going to move and evolve into something else. But for me, the major difference between the two is that content strategy is really, to me, composed of three different things. It's editorial brand, workflow, and then what now people are calling content engineering, or I even like better content ops. And content marketing is really about developing a relationship with your audience through all different formats of content. So that to me is really the the major difference. And all the parts of content strategy lead into if you're trying to create great content marketing. So that's how I see the two worlds sort of different. But you can have content strategy without content marketing, but you can't have content marketing without content strategy. Right. Yeah. No, it's so fascinating, the the kind of divide between the two worlds. And I think there's this kind of weird, like, dividing line between them where people on both sides kind of feel like they can't belong in both camps or that they have to choose. And it's kind of fascinating to me. And I think people, a lot of times when they hear the word marketing, kind of cringe and feel like it's a little bit too promotey, but it doesn't have to be that either. Like you said, customer experience, that doesn't have to be shoving a brochure in their face. 
Exactly, exactly. I also, I think that part of it is also that we're still kind of in the wild, wild west of the web. And so what started off as like SEO and search engine optimization, and then that became everybody's a content strategist, and then it became everybody's a content marketer. And so I think that was part of what made it interesting for people to sort of feel like, well, I'm a rigorous content strategist. And that person's just like, you know, changing their name, depending on the trend of the moment. And I think it's silly. I just think we all are trying to do great. I hope we're all trying to do great work. And some of us come at it from one part of the discipline and some of us come at it from the other part of the discipline. But I think when you're in a room, you got to like shake off your ego and just say what's best for the customer. Totally. And I love that you actually, that's really what AHA Media is all about. It's especially your promotion of using things like plain language and being so customer centric and being so audience centric. And I think that's really what strikes at the heart of both disciplines. And the other thing that I love is that you come out with these amazing guides to help people do that for free, like for just an email download. One of the ones that I love and reference all the time is that the SEO cheat sheet. Um, even you originally came up with sort of, you know, the guide to web writing, which it has all these amazing checkboxes and covers all the grounds. You provide all of these amazing tools for free. I, I love them. And you just now have the Writing November Works um, exercise. Yeah, the November Writing Challenge. So that came from my being frustrated with myself about my own writing. I think that if you want to be a great writer, you have to write every day. And yeah. writing is different for everyone. So for me, sometimes writing is really just sitting there with a pen and scrawling out what I'm thinking. Sometimes I do my best writing when I walk. So it's walking and just talking into my iPhone and taking a voice note. Sometimes it's sitting there typing and banging your head against the screen. So <laughs> it doesn't have to be, I think one of these things that we have gotten into is this like black and white idea about a lot of different practices. Like when you meditate, you have to sit like in a room with a gong and that's silly. Like there's all these different ways to get at it. Sometimes I meditate on a plane as it's taking off. I'm just breathing in and breathing out. So I don't know how you do that. I would be hyperventilating, but yes, (laughs) it's always like, I'm always like most dangerous part is take off and landing, but yeah. Right. Well, you know, I'm always taking off and landing. (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. You're always on the road. Right. Exactly. So for me, what happened was I started to think about if somebody would just say to me, write about this, write about that, Mm because ideation is really the the hardest part of it. And so I said, let's do this thing where like we ask the writing community to get together and write together and, and, and learn about how to do it. And so just today I Insta storied the first writing prompt, which was to write about your favorite person using five adjectives. And it was just really interesting for me to see my own process. Like first I wrote down all the adjectives about my grandmother. That's who I chose to write about. And then I started typing and then I went back in and I like changed all, I highlighted all the adjectives and then I changed them. And it was just really interesting for me to see how I approached it. And what I'm hoping is that other people will share how they approach it because I'm sure I, you know, I can learn a ton from them also. So You know, that was the goal behind that. The goal behind that was to give people a sense of community and for them to get insight into somebody that hopefully they think knows what she's doing, which is sometimes true and sometimes not true, (laughs) you know, to learn how to be a better writer. And I cannot tell you how many people have emailed me or, you know, texted me and been like, I'm totally doing this, who are not writers professionally, but who want to get better at communicating. And, And so that's really exciting. Well, and one of the things that I love about the November Writing Challenge too is one, the tips on there are, are solid gold. I mean, they are amazing 
for anybody who's a writer, whether they write every single day or they want to get back into writing or even want to start writing from scratch. But I love that it eases you into the process of writing because it is a creative process. And in the especially the creative side of ourselves, it's just like any other part where you have to exercise it, you have to flex it, you have to keep it moving and going in order to really keep it sharp. And I love that, the, like you said, the first exercise is taking someone you know and writing five adjectives about them. The other one that I love, and I do literally with every single thing that I write, is I read it out loud. It makes me feel like such a psycho sometimes because I'm sitting in a room talking to myself in this very like, not radio announcer voice, but yeah, it's like you hear the cadence and the flow or you catch a typo that you read over in your brain. And it's just the whole 30 days is just peppered with these amazing insights. I love this calendar so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So you can download it from our website at ahamediagroup.com. It's not gated. So we're not tracking who downloads it. Uh, Like I said, I'll be Instagram storying it. So definitely follow me on Instagram. I think the other thing to know about it is we really try to mix creative and technical. So there's going to be SEO research in there and there's going to be bulleting in there. And there's going to be all types of things that are really going to round you out as a great you know, digital and technical writer. The reading out loud is critically important. Neuroscience says that reading comprehension is two things, decoding, actually taking the shapes of the letters, recognizing them as making sounds and putting words together. And then the next part is prosody, which is like you said, tone, intonation, flow. So if you don't read your content out loud, while the words may look good, you have no idea how they sound in somebody's head and therefore you've completely missed their reading comprehension. So yeah, everyone feels like a psycho when they read out loud. Sometimes I'm so crazy, I'll read it out loud and into my iPhone and then I'll play it back to hear it. So I'm, I'm helping my daughter learn how to write. She's in 10th grade. And one of the first things I say to her has, have you read it out loud first? Because if you read it out loud, you will just see how you totally misuse commas, which Everybody I know does all the time. Oh, yeah. And then she started arguing with me about the Oxford comma, too. So that was a moment of pride. Ooh. But she's for, I'm against. But anyway, so. <laughs> I, I am, too. Yeah, I don't get it. No. But anyway, so, so, that's, so to me, that's what reading out loud is about. And I think it's also about just getting yourself into this idea that writing doesn't have to look like sitting down for an hour and writing. Writing can be quick, fast, in your day, done. And then there's always tomorrow. I love it. It really affects our customers' experience with us in general. I mean, it is way more critical than we give it credit for. And I feel like a lot of times the emphasis is on design and user experience when I would argue it actually is the content. And I think you would too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just at a writing workshop on Tuesday and I waited till the end of the workshop to talk about the problems that they were having with their information architecture. And they were using a right-hand side menu, but they were putting critical information <laughs> they were putting critical information at the bottom of the body copy in this like box. So I said to them, like, can you just walk me through what you were thinking? And as it became clear that they had never really made a content governance decision about what that right-hand menu was going to be, and they all started to like talk about how frustrated they were about it. And so that wasn't such a great way to end out. But what became clear to me is that 
nobody sat down and thought about how the content pathway for the user was going to go. They were, it seemed to me that they were depending more on search than they were on navigation. Mm. Now, search can be the doorway into the website, but once somebody's on the page, they're going to want to explore more. You want them to explore more. You want the, the site to be sticky and for the content to be sticky. And so that's, it's very concerning to me when I see that going down because it really just makes me realize how much we fought to be in the room when design happens and how little that really happens. Or if it does happen and they say, oh, there was a content strategist in the room, I have a feeling that that person didn't really understand the business objectives. Mm. And you and I have talked about this before. If you don't know how the company makes money, I don't care if they're not for profit, they still need revenue. Right. You're not going to be able to do a great job as a content strategist. So that's that I think is something for me that is very frustrating. The other thing I want to say about search starting is that we really, as a discipline, need to move away from this idea of search as SEO because, and this is that whole content strategy, content marketing. Yeah. Because content marketers really care about SEO and content strategists are like, poo poo it, you know, like you're, it's keywords and key phrases and you'll do that in the writing stage. Right. But the bottom line is, is that search has to happen at the beginning. Like one of the things I want to say about writing is writing is the last part of the process. It has to start in business goals. It has to then go into ideation. It then has to be tested with the audience. Is this really what they need to know about? And then it has to move into a technical phase of how are we going to write it so that it's um, appropriate for search? And that's not just keywords and phrases. There's a whole back end that goes on there. I got into this argument on Twitter about FAQ pages. All the search marketing experts are saying, hey, you need to create FAQ pages now because that's what voice activated search, that's where the search engines are pulling answers from. Right. And so, and there doesn't seem to be this flexibility in our field to sort of say, okay, we have to serve the user and the user is using voice activated search. And you know what? We don't love FAQ pages because we want to believe that we structure our content perfectly. Right. You know what? When you have 25,000 pages, you did not structure your content properly. There's just <laughs> no way. Right. So that's to me the other part of where I think content marketers and content strategists just have to get comfortable around this idea of this is the way the customer has developed coping strategies. It doesn't matter what we want them to do. It's kind of like kindergartners, you know, you like you want them to sit down in a circle, but they don't, they're not there yet. They don't have the cognition. They just want to run. Yeah. They want to run around or they want to sit next to a good friend or, you know, so it's kind of the same thing. The audience needs to do what the audience needs to do. They don't need to do what the content strategists tell them to do. And, And that frustrates me also, you know, it's like that going back to that writing workshop. Well, we wanted to, to put that IA there because we thought that that would make sense for what we were trying to accomplish. And it's like, mm, it's not. Or and, if you're, if you're going to do it there, then figure out what you're going to do with that box at the bottom. Like, you know, right. No, it is really fascinating. No. And I agree with you on search in general and it, you're right. It is fascinating how on one side, you know, it's all about SEO and making sure everything is optimized to a T. And then the other side, it's like, it's a last minute thought, just put it in at the end. As long as we have the content there that users want, they'll find it. And I agree that it's it's a middle ground. The other thing that I love too about search, just from the experience side, is looking at vernacular and looking at what people are actually looking for versus how we're labeling things versus how we're calling things. Because that at the same time is optimization and user experience, you know, content creation. And so even just looking at, especially 
with you working with so many hospitals and so many different um, insurance companies, and it's they have one set of vernacular. The user calls it something totally different. Yeah. So Steph Hay has a great talk about nerding out about content. Steph Hay has a great thing she uses called a language board, which we've incorporated into Ooh. our practice at AHA Media Group. Because we interview so many subject matter experts who have their own vocabulary around their area of technical expertise. So what we do is we do keyword research and then we come in and we say, this is what your audience is calling it. What are you calling it? And we show them the volume. And so there's a very common example in healthcare, which is hypertension versus high blood blood pressure. So everyone searches for high blood pressure, but the doctors are like, no, it's hypertension. You have to put that into the content. So we'll say things like high blood pressure, also known as hypertension. But what's really significant about doing that language board is that later when the stakeholders go back in to factually edit the content, they've been prepared that Mm. the audience's vernacular is going to be used, not their vernacular. So it helps sort of shape their thinking around what we're really trying to accomplish. And so I think those kind of tools Again, going back to the idea that search is the beginning of the user experience, everybody involved in the content needs to be comfortable with that idea. Not just the people writing the content, not just the people ideating about the content, not just the people who are setting up the back end of the content, but also the stakeholders who are involved in the creation of the content. And and that's where I feel like we have a lot of work to do in educating people about what we're really trying to accomplish when we create a piece of content and what we're trying not to accomplish. Because if we are condescending to our audiences or we use big jargony words, they're jumping off that page like you can't imagine. But if we're speaking to them in a way that feels comfortable to them, they're going to begin to develop that trust with us. And that's where content strategy and content marketing really intersect. Good point. So how do you, so for any any writers out there who are listening and are really having trouble getting their team, their organizations on board with, you know, plain language and writing for the users and really jumping away from just purely business focused content. What tips or advice do you have for them and how to just get buy-in internally? Because that's a huge part of content creation is just getting that team on board. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It is a process though. It is a process. Oh oh gosh. Next question. No. So... (laughs) So let's start with the plain language question, because I think that that's a really good one to start with in terms of like, that's farther down, that's farther downstream. But one of the things that we try to do is get the person into an empathetic frame of mind for how they're actually talking to the person. So what would you say if the person was in your office? What would you say if you actually could speak to the person face to face? Those kind of help set the tone for what the content should sound like. So I think convincing people about those kind of things is really important in terms of getting them to use plain language. Statistics really help. So, you know, there's proof that plain language will bring down hospital admissions by 12.5%. With the ACA, hospitals are clamoring for that. When you put that in front of a doctor, they're going to have a hard time arguing with that, with that stat. Then the first thing you said is about getting everybody on the same page. It's definitely a really big process. I think I have worked with enough organizations where when they say to me, we just want to put content up on the wall and see what sticks. I know it's going to be a disaster of a project because they don't have a specific strategy in place and they don't really, you know, they're not really clear about what they're doing. And so to me, that's really challenging because it means that they're, you're going to have a hard time as a writer and a content ideator with them to figure out how to get the most out of them that you can. And so that to me is really frustrating. And and that's where you have to go back to the business objectives. What are we trying to accomplish? What are we really trying to do? Nice. 
I love that advice. I think that is solid gold because it is a lot of times a huge part of just the writing process is just getting everybody on the same page and, and getting everybody as a team to really create that effective content that's going to reach you know, users and achieve our business goals. So I love it. Ahava, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so much fun. I'm glad we got to nerd out even just for like 30 minutes on content because I so rarely get to do that anymore. I love it so much. And you gave so much amazing information. Thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. I don't really feel like we nerded out so much. No, (laughs) you know, 30 minutes isn't a really great time. I mean, I feel like we could have definitely gone into the Oxford comma and just really pissed everybody off. And then also the right-hand sidebars, you know, I mean, that probably is a pretty controversial subject as well. So we could have touched on a lot more nerves here, but we didn't. So because you have so many, real quick, before we jump into some really fun getting to know you questions, where can everybody go download all these amazing tools and resources that we talked about today? Sure. So ahamediagroup.com. So A-H-A-M-E-D-I-A group.com is where you'll find everything. Um, if you search Ahava Leap Tag, I'm all over the internet. So you'll find me on Twitter at Ahava L, Instagram at Ahava L. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a great Writing Wednesday series that everybody loves. <laughs> Somebody asked me, you know, I just finished Jay Bear's Talk Triggers. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking about like, what's my talk trigger? And I was talking to somebody about it. And I'm kind of like my red glasses and my red lipstick. <laughs> That's amazing. See, look at that. That's awesome. But yeah, your Writing Wednesdays are amazing. Thank you. So that's on Instagram and LinkedIn every Wednesday. And, I, you know, if you have questions for me, email me. Hello at ahamediagroup.com is actually monitored by me because if you have questions, I will try to answer them. And if I don't know, I will uh, I will send you an, an email and say, I don't know, I'm going to figure that out for you. And then I'll cover it on a writing Wednesday. So and it's amazing to me. People, I say this to people all the time and very few people take me up on it. But when they take me up on it, they're like, I cannot believe you answered me so quickly. But Hey, that's what I'm here for. You know, I want to learn just as much as everybody else. I always say when people ask me when we're looking for a content strategist, what should we hire? What are the most important traits? And I always say there's one thing that matters more than anything else. And that's curiosity. If somebody isn't curious, they're not going to be good at this job. And so I'm curious too about what you're thinking and where you're running into trouble. And I have an opinion and it might not be right, but I'm certainly happy to share it. (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, with that, everybody go follow Ahava, go email her, go download all that great stuff. And we are going to get to know her on the personal side a little bit here in just a quick second. All right, everybody, we are back with Ahava, and we are going to get to know her a little bit more on the personal side now that we've known all about her on the professional side. So Ahava, I have two questions for you today. One of them, you mentioned at the top of our call that you were a voracious reader as a kid, and I know that you still read a ton today. So one of the things I'm curious about, because whenever I ask everybody what their favorite book is, they have this amazing answer like, oh, I love to read Shakespeare. And you know, they come up with these amazing novels and classics. What is your favorite like guilty pleasure read? Whether it's like a romance novel on the beach on vacation or like, you know, like the latest teen, you know, drama. What's like your favorite guilty pleasure book? So I actually don't really believe in guilty pleasure books. I think any book you read and you get fun out of is like fantastic. I don't care what level it's written on. I love that. I love that. 
I will say, though, that when I was a kid, I read all of the Sidney Sheldon novels, like the original Sidney Sheldon, and I loved them. So, nice. And I want to actually go back and read them because they were so good, like so ridiculously fun and, and fun, great. So, And I think about them often because I read them so much as a kid that there are like certain phrases that I really remember. And he was a great storyteller. He just knew how to bring something to life. And he wrote about con men and jewelry heists, and it was just so fun. Uh, my favorite book is Station Eleven, which is a post-apocalyptic novel. I'm very into those now, which tells you something about the state of the world. So <laughs> I, I like all those kind of books. I think it's really fascinating to think about like, if the world was going to end, what would it look like? So that's kind of, and I'm a big fan of Harry Potter and all that stuff. There are books, like there's a, there's a great questionnaire. I forget who runs it, which like, what books do you feel guilty about not reading? I think it's Entertainment Weekly. Ooh, yeah. I've never read Little Women. I haven't either. Isn't that, isn't that horrible? <laughs> Do I have to like give back like my feminist card? Like, is, I, I think, I feel I know, like I that's have... like a must read for everyone. I know I have to. So, you know what? Let's promise each other by the end of the year, we'll read it. I mean, it, sure. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I do never, want to. I know it's a good book. I know. I know. Well, okay. so you know what happens. So that's kind of the bummer. And, you know, like there are other books that I just like, I've never read all of Shakespeare. I've never even yeah. read the whole Bible which is like funny because I'm Jewish and like pretty. (laughs) There's there's plenty of things I haven't read. There's a lot of books that I feel like everybody feels pressured to read, but that's why I love your response of like any book that you get enjoyment out of is a book that's worth reading. Like I love that because nobody should be shamed for enjoying what they read. It's awesome. Agreed. Okay. Second question, actually our last question. All right. So there's a lot of great TV out right now, especially a lot of new releases coming into um, sort of, especially we just came off of like the spooky season of October. So what are you binge watching right now? Like what is a show that you would recommend hands down to anybody to watch? Okay. So I binge watch according to what my children want to watch with me. (laughs) So right now I'm going through the Marvel movies with my son, Navone. Nice. And so, and he talks constantly throughout the movie. Like, I have no idea what's going on because all he wants to do is like share all the extraneous material that he knows. So that's hilarious. And then I'm watching The Great British Baking Show with Amaya, my 13 year old. I love it. I'm actually about to publish an article called What You Can Learn About Content from The Great British Baking Show. So look out for that. And then um, with my oldest daughter, we love scary. She introduced me to scary movies. She loves scary movies. so And I hate them. Like, Or I thought I hated them. <laughs> right. I never watched them. Like, I stopped being afraid of the dark when I was like 42. So it's worked <laughs> out well. So she and I are now binging The Haunting of Hill House. Which is- so good. So we are totally freaked out by it. We just watched the second episode last night. The one where like the ant crawls out of the, uh, uh, Oh, it is. Yeah. So spooky. It's so spooky, but we're really enjoying it. And then, um, my husband and I are supposed to be binge watching Fauda, which is like the Israeli series on like going in and killing people. But I don't know. We just fall asleep at night because we're so (laughs) Probably because you've already watched so much like action-packed things up until that point that like your body's like no more. Right, exactly. But it's just a lot of very intense episodes. Yes, I I think that we watched the first three, and I think that might be why we uh, why we just gave up. But yeah, no, there is some really great TV out there, and I think that I just finished watching Breaking Bad. I had never watched Breaking Bad, and just there's some incredible storytelling out there right now. And I think it's really great that, you know, we're getting to see all these different stories from all these different angles. And and that's why I would say 
no book is bad to read because the whole point of art is to give us a window into a world we don't know. And so even books that seem like ridiculous, if they speak to you, then they're valuable. Nice. I love it. Ahava, thank you so much. You gave us so much amazing information on this, so much wisdom, so much advice and guidance. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody. So like Ahava said, please go ahead and follow her on all of the social channels. Visit ahamedia.com and download all of those amazing materials and also email her. She's there and ready to answer any question that you might have. So thank you, Ahava, again for being here on behalf of Randy Frisch. Uh, we really loved having you here. Everybody else, please go ahead. Um, wherever you subscribe to the show, leave us some feedback and leave us some comments. We'd love to hear about um, what other topics you'd like us to cover. Until next time, this has been Anna Harak with the Content Experience Show podcast. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.